The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, I'm John Burke, and uh, with me is Michael Grodner. How you doing, sir? Good, how you doing? Very well. And you are the director for the new film, um, The Icarus Line Must Die, correct? Yes, that's right. And you collaborated with, um, I'm going to mess up Joe's name, uh, Joe, help me out here, how do I say, Cardam- Cardamone? Cardamone. Cardamone, no, no money. Yeah. So. I'm just happy you didn't butcher my name. Ah, well, you know, I watched a, an interview with you earlier today, and uh, the interviewer messed up your name, so I was like, oh, I will make special note of how to correctly say his name, so I don't do that when I talk to you. Um, yes. I, di- I did not think to do that for Joe until just now, though, so I, I succeeded and failed simultaneously. But, but that's what I'm here for. There you go. <laughs> um, I got to watch this movie uh, about a week ago, um, and you, you guys just had your premiere, right, on the uh, 22nd? Yeah, we had a premiere on the, uh, I think it was the 20th. Okay, with a concert, right? Yeah, well, we did, a, it was a premiere uh, at the Regent Theater in downtown L.A., and then following the screening, we had performances by Joe Cardamone, mm-hmm. uh, Annie Hardy from the film, and Melissa Brooks from the film, and it was really great. It was like a packed just kind of a blowout you know the you know, people dug the movie and just awesome. it was a, just a great night that's awesome that's what i was gonna simply ask was how did it go but it sounds like it went really well yeah no you know it's one of these things they don't always go as planned and you don't know what to expect but this one went as good as i could have wanted it was really cool and this is your first feature film right that's correct and uh how did that come to be like how did you end up doing this project with joe Uh, Well, Joe and I have known each other for a few years, and we've always discussed wanting to do something together. We didn't know quite what, whether it was something, uh, I don't know, music video-wise or promotional-wise or Mm -hmm. some sort of work in some some capacity. And um, I had just, I had kind of, uh, I was was putting together another feature at the time, and it was, uh, you know, we were waiting for investors to come in, and we finally got some investors, and then the last minute they fell out. Oh. So I was, uh, you know, it was kind of a frustrating period, and I, and I got to a point where I said, I can't just sit around and wait for investors to give me money to make a film. I need to make a full film right away. So I decided to put some of my money in. I, I have a partner on the project whose name is Josh Crockett, and he's one of the producers and also a, one of the editors of the film. Wow. He put some of his money in, and um, <clears throat> we just went for it. And, and you know, we, I had the idea that I wanted to make a film. I, wanted to, I, knew, I knew we had limited funds, and I thought, how do you make a film with very limited funds where it, it doesn't look like you're, you've got limited funds, like you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to make, uh, you know, the next Star Wars film with like you know, <laughs> barely any money. <clears throat> so I, um, you know, I've always loved the films of the Lower East Side from this no wave uh, movement, mm-hmm. uh, filmmaking and music, which was let's say in the late seventies, early eighties, kind of the CBGBs era in a sense. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and um, you know, I. 
I always admired the way they made the films. There was a lot of energy and a lot of authenticity, and it just, it you know, it was kind of street filmmaking. And um, John, Jim Jarmusch came out of this, oh, yeah. uh, like Stranger Than Paradise, and and um, there's a movie called uh, The Foreigner by Amos Poe that was uh, somewhat of an inspiration. But I love those films, and and in those movies, they had. You know, the, the people in the cast were, were friends or musicians or other filmmakers or artists. Um, and I thought, well, why don't, why don't I do that here? Why don't, why don't we do that in Los Angeles, kind of transpose that New York style of filmmaking here and make a film with our friends and the people who populate our uh, world? And by our, I mean mine and Joe. And you know, we, we kind of travel in similar circles. Mm -hmm. I always thought Joe was a really fascinating and compelling um, center for a movie. I think he's a real charismatic uh, person, and he, he's an incredible uh, front man for a band. He's you know, just an incredible performer, and I thought he, he, could, he could pull this off. So mm -hmm. uh, that's when I pitched the idea to Joe. Yeah, you know, um, I, I was not familiar with the Icarus line uh, before I saw the film, but I've, I went back and listened to some of their albums, and I, I really liked their music, actually, and I'm... Um, I, I was a musician for a chunk of my life. Nothing successful, mind you. Just like you know, playing local bars and stuff like that. Um, so I, I always liked movies about music. That's actually why I, um, I wanted to watch this film when, when I got the uh, the email from the PR person asking about it. I was like, oh yeah, it sounds really cool. I love the idea of like seeing what the LA music scene is like right now um, because I'm not you know super up on current trends in the, in the industry and whatnot. I know that since streaming has become a standard the industry's changed dramatically um and you've worked with a lot of artists I, I saw you have quite a collection of music videos that you've done yeah i've over the years uh wor have worked with a lot of artists uh um, bands like cursive and uh, planes mistaken for stars uh and uh yeah i and, and it's kind of some music that i like it's kind of indie rock that and and, and there's a kind of a punk edge to it that i mm -hmm. that i a lot and and then over the last several years I've been doing a web series called Dirty Laundry TV oh. where we interview bands in a laundromat while they do their laundry and we've had you know 200 plus artists on from uh, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth or oh, uh, wow. Marty or Ariel Pink or I mean we've had you know a lot of the artists who are in the film for instance this is where I probably met Joe for the first time or really you know started uh, filming with him was was on Dirty Laundry and Annie Hardy, who's in the film, was uh, was I was some she was someone I wanted to host uh, Dirty Laundry and I had reached out to her like about ten years ago. Hmm. So uh, it's kind of coming full circle with with the film. That's cool how that's uh, I like like seeing that like you've made these contacts and then now they're all coming back and and you're working them into your your art. Um, and you mentioned Jim Jarmusch. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. And now that you say that, like I see like elements of coffee and cigarettes in some of the dialogue sequences in this movie. Um, right. And the the choice of black and white is that one of the reasons you went black and white was because of the low budget. Yeah. I, well, I well <clears throat> because the film is is this type of film like this. For instance, this movie, The Foreigner by Amos Poe, is black and white. And there's a certain mm -hmm there's a certain rawness and an authenticity to it and and also it, there's an incredible uh sense of mood you're able to uh to get from this film and 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 so i i thought it i thought that was an important thing uh and you know it's sort sure it's a budgetary uh concern too but you know aesthetically i think 
it really captures the uh, <clears throat> personality and mood of the Icarus line and and Joe's uh, you know, struggles or journey uh, in this film. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. I think the black and white works. I was just curious if there was um, other motives behind the uh, the choice because it is obviously a choice to go black and white, and not always one that um, today's generation of youth will click with. You know, sometimes kids are turned off immediately. But I'm a high school film teacher. Sorry, that's uh, my day job is high school film, and then I run a website uh, by night, so to speak. But um, you know, sometimes like if I put a movie on this black and white, some of my students will immediately like I have to win them over. Like, no, no, give it a chance. I promise it's good. You just you know, to them like black and white means old, regardless of when it came out. It just instantly they think it's an old movie. Um, so it's always interesting when someone chooses to do it because it does potentially alienate part of an audience, but if it's the right choice, I think it's what you should definitely do, and I think it works really well in this film. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge film lover, and I, and I particularly love films, uh, black and white films. Even, you know, if you talk about like film noir or like, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, recently saw a Touch of Evil uh, for the umpteenth time, and <laughs> that's one of my favorite films. And it's there's a beautiful, uh, beautiful photography in that movie, and then. I also recently saw a movie called Seconds. Again, for for you know, I've seen that many times. But I, there's something about films that, you know, certain movies like from let's say the 1930s, there was no no other choice. You had to shoot them in black and white. But but then there are films that maybe from the 70s or 80s that, for instance, Raging Bull or uh, even Stranger Than Paradise or uh, Broadway Danny Rose or Manhattan. Those are you know incredible films that are shot in black and white and it's an aesthetic choice as opposed to say a uh, I don't know a cultural one or mm-hmm. uh, and and those movies are very they, they have a very important place in my uh, you know movie going kind of experience now I don't usually get into equipment questions but I am kind of curious um, given your your penchant for film and whatnot um, did, did you shoot digital? Like what kind of, uh, cameras were you using since the, I know the budget was low. Did you, do yeah. you have like a preference? We shot, uh, with, and I, and I really do like this camera. It's a, you know, it's a prosumer camera, the Canon 5D. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did shoot though with, uh, um, uh, vintage lenses, oh. uh, which I think also lent some, some, I mean, I love this shallow depth of field that the Canon 5Ds have and, and these only sort of accentuated that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think the vintage lenses really helped with the look of the film. Yeah. See, we, um, for my high school classes, we use, uh, the, the T6, you know, like I, like low, low end of the Canon line. It's like the lowest end, but it's what we can afford public high school. But, um, I like seeing the DSLRs getting more use out in the world so that, you know, even though it's not exactly the same cameras, at least my kids are getting their hands on something similar. You know, they have to pick lenses and they have to learn to, to manually, set the focus and things like that and it's you know more practical than you know the old days we just had like camcorders in high school classes and we don't get a lot of artistic control with those handheld camcorders exactly and there's something there you know on one hand you know it's very cool to see a movie that you shot on five d's on a on a you know on a screen that maybe they also screen like you know avengers on you know yeah it's definitely to to see that and 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 our film has there is a certain uh, very almost homemade vibe to it in a to a degree um, that 
that maybe that helps that gives it that gives it that feel it's a very you you get a sense that it's very real what what you're seeing well now joe's playing like a version of himself right like we're not calling this isn't a true story but it's based on fact right yes so are are there any um, professional actors in the film or are they all just like like joe like people playing versions of themselves well uh we're in la so everybody's professional oh, but, good point good point <laughs> but um no no there are no uh, professional actors in the film to my knowledge i think a couple of people may might have appeared in films and maybe mm-hmm. even acted in films i i think uh pearl charles who's in the film and uh, yeah, she has a small role but she's i believe she's uh acted in films before uh yeah. but and and perhaps ariel pink has acted in films before but uh, mainly it's 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 a uh, um, yeah musicians a lot of musicians kind of playing themselves or playing versions of themselves and um the interview i saw earlier you mentioned that it wasn't a screenplay per se it was more of like an outline you were working on yeah we yeah with that that was the idea I, i'm i'm a writer in a sense uh you know that's what's what i'm trained to do mm-hmm. and um but for this particular film i i i didn't I thought it was best if we went with a detailed outline and meaning like an outline that was structured like a a standard screenplay in terms of three act structure and Mm -hmm. sequences and and scenes that were everything plotted out. And then uh, we, you know, I gave the actors on the day of their scenes, I gave them I gave them beat sheets to kind of let them know exactly what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to uh, uh, the information we need to come across in Got this particular scene to tell the story, uh, and and that's how we put together the film. Well, so like the dialogue sequences are fairly organic; they're not really like like scripted out like traditional. They're just people talking, right? And what was cool was we knew going into it that we had some really cool and interesting characters. These people we knew are mm-hmm. will be able to give us really interesting stories and put put you know just just their, their personalities would come out uh and and that's what i'm hoping that's what we were able to achieve yeah for sure i, I definitely think that comes across i thought especially joe um you know I, like i knew nothing coming into this um i did a little bit of reading about the the icarus line ahead of the film just because i was curious but um when i finally sat and watched it i i was really drawn in with with joe especially like he's just such an interesting person it seems um and the music that he does and i love the scenes of them performing that are in the, the film like there's one in like the rehearsal space and there's one at a, a club later in the film and i mean those performances felt like a music video i thought which would make sense uh you definitely have experience in in shooting that so yeah no i i love the performance scenes i uh, I, again, I think Joe is a great performer, um, and a very captivating performer when you see him live. And um, and I really enjoy uh, shooting live performance like that. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun for me. And um, in in the interview that I've mentioned now twice, I need to make sure I give credit to uh, the the girl. I think it was Popcorn Flicks. Um, you you call this a punk rock movie? And I think you might have even used that phrase a little earlier. Um, can you kind of like frame what 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 constitutes a punk rock movie? Well, we certainly. You know, I, um, the Icarus Line, the band, um, they're 
I don't know what you'd categorize themselves. They're a rock band, but they definitely have a, a punk rock aesthetic to them. I agree and with an, that. And an attitude towards them. And we do have, I mean, we have a band called Retox, who they're, they're a punk band, you know, they just are. Mm-hmm. And as well as Obliterations. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's punk music, and if you're a punk rock fan, you're gonna dig this movie because, you know, you've got some intense, loud, you know, in your face, seat performances um so there's that but on the other hand i think the movie has a punk rock aesthetic to it uh the way we made the movie and the way um uh, uh yeah i mean everybody you know i think a lot of even say ariel pink i mean maybe you wouldn't think he's a punk rock performer but i think a lot of these people and mm-hmm. uh, out of this punk rock scene and there's a there's an aesthetic and there's a um an ethos that you uh, that kind of let you got you're guided by, so uh, we were as well um, with the film and how we made the movie. I mean, it was very very much a DIY experience. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot, and you know, I like the idea because um, I grew up with like '90s. I think I'm actually the same age as Joe, but I grew up in the '90s with like pop punk, you know, Blink 182, um, and that's the only band that's coming to my mind right now, but. Um, you know, that punk had a, a polish to it. And then when I go back to like 80s and 70s punk, there's no polish. It's all, it's rough around the edges. It's raw. It's real. Um, it's not always something I want to listen to, but it's an attitude that I can totally appreciate. And I feel like that's definitely embedded in the film uh, that you've presented, that it's, there's a raw edge to it, but there's substance and there's there's meaning in, in the shots that you've chosen and um, the performances from Joe. It's, it's... It's definitely there. I just I like the the phrasing of a punk rock movie. I feel like that might need to be a genre of film that we uh, start classifying. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, honestly, when when you know when I started making the film, or, or no, the idea to make this movie, is because I love a punk rock movie. I love that idea. Um, I, I look. I think of movies like Repo Man or mm. or um, uh, uh, Sid and Nancy. Yep. Uh, and and I just also. In a way, I mean, there, there's a lot of punk doc documentaries, but I don't see, you know, I, I haven't seen a movie like this or, or in this, and I think there's a void. So that's why, that's another reason why I wanted to make it. I think I, I'd like to think I would want to make films that I, I feel like there's, they're not making this movie anymore. There's, there's not, there's not a, they're not doing this anymore. And I've got to, and I feel like I, I, I need to, I need to put out what I kind of want to see. I, I like that idea a lot, and I, um, Mike, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael, I'm so grateful for your time. Um, before we go, I would like to uh, do two things. One, is there anywhere people should look you up on the internet? Like, are you on Twitter, Instagram, or anything like that? Yeah, we, uh, the Icarus Line Must Die is on Facebook. It's the Icarus Line Must Die. You can check us out there, and then uh, Icarus Line Movie is on uh, Twitter. So at Icarus Line Movie. Um, so yeah, they can find us there. All right, and then uh, from the information I have, um, the film is going to be on digital platforms on July 10th. Is that correct? Yes, on July 10th, we're going to be on iTunes and Amazon and Fandango and uh, Google and uh, somewhere else. I think Voodoo. Voodoo, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, you can check us out, and 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 please do. You know, um, I think uh, it's it's great. I mean, we've had. We've had a festival run where we've screened it uh, in different 
Yeah, we, we screened it in the UK and we screened it uh, in, in Chicago and Tucson. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's fun to get the movie into other cities and states around the country as opposed to uh, L.A. where it's based. And I think a lot of people have might, you know, people comment to me like when they come see this movie, they're like, oh, my God, it's like I can't believe I'm watching a movie with all these people I know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, definitely um, if you're if, if you're familiar with the uh, the music, I can't imagine how awesome this would be um I, I am a lot more familiar with it now and i i owe that to you and your film awesome right yeah keep i mean i always say also to the artists in the movie like like joe or like annie it's like you know uh this is hopefully the movie will be a place where people can discover them and and either go back into their back catalog or just start following what they're doing now because they're they were both putting out some really great music now yeah, I watched a video on Joe's website uh, today. I think, um, well, th- I know today uh, from his solo album that he has coming out. That I really like that song as well. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Mike. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>